the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. everyone, welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 213. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... Uh, this is Ed. And this is Jeanette. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of December 4th through December 17th. We have two books to cover, hardly, well, really no news. And, of course, we do have a bunch of listener Q&As uh, based on the fact that we're giving something away this episode. So with that, let's just jump into comic news. Just one real quick thing. There was a DC All Access video that posted up discussing the upcoming Justice League versus Suicide Squad crossover. That's uh, actually, as you're listening to this, the first issue has already come out because the first issue is coming out on the 21st. Um, so we will, of course, be covering this event on the website in in, in its entirety, uh, including the Justice League and Suicide Squad tie-ins and the Ju- Justice League versus Suicide Squad uh, miniseries itself. So we will be covering it on the website, and of course, we'll be bringing you uh, short recaps of what's going on on the comic cast, of course, but maybe as a whole at the end of the event, we'll have a bigger discussion about it once it's done. So that's what you can look forward to in the coming weeks. But for now, we're going to jump straight into our comic reviews because there is no real news right now. And the very first book we're going to cover is Batman. Batman number 12, I Am Suicide Part 4. Writer Tom King, pencils Mikhail Janin, Janin, <laughs> I don't know, uh, inks Mike, oh, sorry, Mikhail Janin and Hugo Petrus and colors June Chung. Batman makes his way to the part of Santa Prisco where Catwoman and Bane are located, all the while narrating a letter he sent to Selina, or I guess the letter is narrating the action. When he found out that she was going to be transferred from Blackgate to Arkham and basically saying that he won't be able to visit her in Arkham because that would probably cause more problems than it's worth. He, in the letter, he says that his mother and father would surely laugh at the idiocy that is Batman, something that is really just comprised of a kid and a vow. He mentions a time when he was 10 years old and attempted suicide by slashing his wrists. Uh, below, it seems, the painting of his parents. And he realizes that the choice of being Batman is actually the choice of dying, and he is therefore suicide personified. Batman sees Catwoman is the same as him. They are cut from the same cloth, and that one day he is going to set her free. They can put on their masks, and they can just both laugh and laugh at uh, the insanity that is Batman and Catwoman. Next, oh, and I guess where we leave them is that uh, Batman is in the throne room, and there's Bane, and there's Psycho Pirate, and there's Catwoman. So next issue is the last stand of Batman. (laughs) Okay, so not a lot happens really in the story itself, but we learn a lot about Batman himself. So my first question is, 
Uh, what did you think about the revelation of the true meaning of the title of the arc? Because Batman or I am suicide, right? We've been doing, or Tom King has been doing, I am blank, right? So I am suicide. We assumed it meant him sort of taking on the suicide squad, right? But there's a deeper meaning to this as well. And him saying that choosing to be Batman is also really choosing suicide because, um, this is his way of life now. So what is your thought on the true meaning of the arc and then just the connection to the Batman mythos as well as the backstory that we learn about him potentially almost killing himself later on and getting to know his parents a little bit more through his um, psyche? I, I will say that I immediately had some sort of a problem with <laughs> the the desire to, to, to include suicide as a new part of Batman's beginnings, not Batman's, but Bruce Wayne's beginnings. Um, although in some ways it almost makes sense that this is happening because this just was referenced and discussed over an all-star Batman. And I also said I had a problem with it over there. Um, but I think that obviously Tom King and Scott Snyder were talking with each other and they discussed this so that it played out and it made sense. Um, within just, a, I think, two months of each other, they, you know, these two things happen in two different books referencing it. So they're clearly adding this into Bruce Wayne's early, early days after his parents died. Not super thrilled about it. Um, but I don't think that, you know, like I don't have to like it in order for it to work. I mean, I don't think that it necessarily, uh, it's very difficult to like think about this because the, to think to myself that Bruce Wayne can get to the point where he thinks he needs to take his own life because his life's not worth living because his parents are, you know, dead. It obviously this is ha has to happen before he decides to pledge himself to becoming the best that he can be and then eventually become Batman. Um, and this and becoming Batman is become his suicide where he, you know, no longer has a normal life. Instead, he goes out and he fights criminals and at any point in time he could die. I guess there's some sort of connection here and in the involvement with the, you know, his version of the suicide squad, the team that he's working with. I can see all the connections. I can see how it would work in a writing stance. I just don't necessarily agree with it all. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's, harming the story because I don't really think that it is. I, I do have a problem with this weird relationship between Bruce and Selena specifically with the idea that because he sees himself as this same person or, you know, similar to her because of the situations that he has gone through, including the attempted suicide. I, I just don't understand how this adds to the character in a worthwhile way, unless of course they have some sort of direction that they want to go with it, which is probably entirely possible. Um, hopefully, otherwise it seems like they're just doing it for shock and awe, which I would despise. But for the most part, I don't agree with what they're doing, but it's not taking away from the story too much for me, at least because it's kind of happy in the, the, the foreground of the story rather than having to take up. I mean, I don't know how this is all going to even deal with Bane in the long run. We also know that Bane is going to be part of the next storyline too. So, you know, it's just kind of here right now. So, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm kind of with Dustin on this. I don't like the, um, 
the inclusion of the suicide part with, with Bruce. I know it's like you said, I think that the guys got together and talked it over because at least we're seeing it represented throughout all the books, um, which is important, I think, because if, if this is such a, a big moment for the character of, of Bruce, young Bruce, that, that he actually contemplated in by the words in this book, almost committed suicide, then it is something that needs to be referenced in all the books. So I would hate this if this was a one-off that was just referenced in one story. So, so I guess that's good, but I, I don't know what's going on with that, to, to be honest with you. I don't, I just don't like it. It doesn't, doesn't ring correct to me for some reason. It just you know, the whole thing we talk about with, with Bruce is the, is the level of, you know, absolute certainty. And, you know, I just, I don't know. It, it it seems to me like he was always, especially when he was younger, the story we've always been told in different medians and different continuities over the years when Bruce wanted to find his, his parents killer. That was his to bring the justice. Some iterations had him wanted to kill him at first, but I mean, that was the story. I can't believe that young Bruce before he'd had a chance to fulfill that mission would just be like, eh, I'm going to kill myself. So I don't know. Just, I don't, I don't love it. Um, the more I think about it, like it's kind of been thinking about it for a while off and on um, since the references in All-Star and now here. Um, the more I thought about it, the more I dislike it. As with him and Selena, that whole last part that uh, Stella, Stella referenced with the um, in the future, I'm going to break you out of prison and we're going to go put our mask on and act like nutters. Like that was, another, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, that was another yeah. one. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, and I, and I, and, and I love the Bruce and Selena relationship. So this don't take this as even like, here doesn't like, no, I, I love their traditional i guess we, we would look at that traditional relationship but this whole thing at the end uh, doesn't i don't know um it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and again we've used the same format kind of in this presentation as with selena's and i don't mm-hmm. know it just it i don't know it there's some cool stuff that happens here uh but i don't those those parts just kind of took me out of the story in a big way yeah i did at least enjoy the fact that this pairs up and complements nicely the previous issue because it's very it's basically the same format uh, to a certain extent though I think more uh, of the actual narrative of you know this story happened or occurred in the last issue than this one because not as much happened here except him making his way um, so yeah I, I feel like to a certain extent. In this rebirth era, we've really been changing the character of Batman. Um, and, you know, it's not to say that characters shouldn't be, you know, switched up a lot. But I think there are certain characters that, you know, from their origin story, certain things remain the same. And, and if you do a little tweak here and there... That might be fine, but I feel like we are really changing things with little tweaks. Um, you know, like like Dustin mentioned, All Star. We we talked about that, and that Batman was to a certain extent homicidal, like he was ready to kill somebody. Uh, he made a pact to do that, and then here we have the opposite end where he's not not willing to take uh, another person's life, but willing to take his own, which still is, you know, homicide, right? Or that at least is what he's bringing up. And, you know, my first question is, no, I guess I'll say that I also didn't really enjoy this uh, particular take on him. And so then the other question comes, does it work? I wonder why he, well, let me first ask you, um, is the sort of canon that his parents were killed at eight, eight years old? Is that the canon? Basically, uh, that's never changed. 
No, that's changed plenty of times. Oh, there's been times, okay. some, yeah. there's been times where he's 10, 11, 12, okay. 13. Even so some, then I wonder, okay, so I wonder then, I guess I always thought it was eight years old, but if he did that, I wonder then with this, why is he waiting two years, like his first attempt at suicide potentially? Uh, if he killed or if they were killed at 10, then I think it's more reasonable because he's in a very desperate place. So yeah, this would um, probably happen, but it just changes for me, the character of Bruce Wayne, because I feel like he was in a very vulnerable spot, um, you know, as a, as a child, but I also feel like he didn't go to this area. Like, I think it was always like this bad thing happened. He's going to wallow for a little bit, but then he's going to have this new resolve to like, I'm going to, destroy these people and so the character that i'm seeing here while you made this connection dustin between all-star i feel like this character is is um diametrically opposed to the one in all-star because someone who's going to take their own life is different than someone who's going to lash out and take someone else's life so i feel like there's kind of a difference i don't know um so i i feel like there's not as much of a connection there's a connection that they're changing the character uh and then this whole you know batman is all of a sudden taking on this this guise of batman equates to basically being suicide uh personified and i guess i never thought of it that way i always see sort of you know it's bruce wayne is a bit of a dead end because i don't know if he can necessarily ever put down this guys and and you know be happy and so i guess if you think of it that way it could be potentially considered suicide but the way i perceive this is almost like every night he goes out thinking that he's not going to come back <laughs> like you know he's a kamikaze pilot basically on the underworld of gotham and i guess i i never really thought that because i think while it is a dark road that he goes down he there's always sort of hope at the end of this tunnel because he's always trying to change and make better and there are moments where he's like oh my gosh am i doing anything right but at the end I feel like he always wants it like his hope is that at the end he's going to be able to clean up the streets and make his parents proud and maybe he'll lay down. Um, But I don't think he ever I guess I never perceived him going out and dying. So I feel like something's happening here. Like there's huge changes. I'm not really liking them, but I also don't know if they're necessarily working as well. Um, So that's me. Any thoughts on what I had to say since I just put out a lot? Any contradictions or no i i did, don't think that i i can't I, like i have a problem with what you're saying i mean the, the big thing is that for me i just like i said i just don't see bruce as the type of person like you you said the, the the best point that i think you made was you know how can he take his own life if he's so against murder mm-hmm. taking someone else's life and i understand that he wasn't to the point of you know i'm going to be this you know, symbol for Gotham. And, and I understand that. And, you know, he, maybe he wasn't, you know, completely against the idea of using guns at the time. I mean, there's a bunch of different arguments behind this, but suicide, uh, su- even a suicide attempt is, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody yeah. who, who does, you know, who goes through something like that, it's not something you can just come back from very easily. It's not like you can just be shipped off to Arkham Asylum because your butler says you need to get help and you're going to magically come back having a death pact with Two-Face and decide that everything is going to be okay now. I mean, 
And I know that I'm mixing two stories right here, but I'm just but saying the like, dovetail together pretty well, though, to be totally honest. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I was saying about yeah. the connection, because like I, I just don't understand it. I, like I don't I don't disagree with you, Stella, in, in any mm-hmm. way. I think this is a very, very, very strange, random thing to be bringing up in the midst of what I assumed was supposed to be trying to establish this new version of the relationship between Selena and Bruce. And in some way, it, it kind of like veered away from that and then tried to come back by using this suicide reference and comparing the two to get, like saying that they're similar because of that. It, it's just the weirdest connection to, to make. And I, I don't understand it. So I, I don't I'm not going to contradict you at all. I, I, okay. I think I think we're all pretty much all on the same page. Yeah. Do you I mean, see yeah. more of a connect? Oh, you go ahead, Ed, before I ask. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I just want to co-sign with Dustin. Like, I think we're all really kind of at the same place about this stuff right here. Do you see more of a connection with all star? Because Dustin, you were the one to bring that up that they're, you know. They're well, happening seems, within the same time, like the changes. But I feel like there are two different Bruce Waynes we're talking about. I well, I do feel like there are two different Bruce Waynes, but I feel like that that you could easily make the connection between the two, because if we are talking about Bruce Wayne who is potentially committing suicide, and then the next, and I know it's not the next because it's happened before in publication wise, but over in All Star, you've got. Uh, you've got Alfred reacting to Bruce being too extreme by sending him to Arkham Asylum to get help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could have started off with a suicide attempt and then because mm-hmm. maybe he decided it wasn't going to be a suicide attempt and then he started to push boundaries in other directions and that's what forced Alfred to go. Maybe Alfred doesn't even know about the suicide attempt. I, You know, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I just think that there's there's definitely a reason why we're seeing this happen in two different books, very, very close publication wise, time wise. It just, it's too, too close to say it's a coincidence. And the fact that they've made a point to say that they're trying to uh, have a, have a better, well, Scott, Scott Snyder has always said this, but um, they're trying DC as a company, at least is trying to connect the books more. So I feel like there's no reason that this that this connection wouldn't make sense, but I do agree that it is in some ways two different Bruce because I think there's okay. a, it's a, there is like a short amount of time in between Bruce in All Star. He's already gone past you know the depressing suicidal aspect of it, and instead going to I guess the like Bruce to homicide. Yeah, I guess. Oh man, thinking about it just makes it even worse. My second and final question is actually about the art and I guess the format of it, which we don't talk about necessarily, but you know, it's technically 22 pages, but really if you get down to it, it's less than that uh, because it's just, it's several double page layouts of the issue. And I wondered uh, what you thought of that. Uh, Did you think it worked? Did you enjoy having those long, uh, I guess, wide expansive uh, images? Well, I, I'm a sucker for double page spreads, uh, but I don't know that all of these were warranted. Um, mm. It almost feels like some of it was, I hate using the word fluff because every time I use the word fluff, people tell me that, I, uh, that I'm that i criticizing things in the wrong way. But <laughs> it just seems like when you have a story, and there's not that much that honestly happens in this issue to begin with. Right, I mean, yeah. 
there, it's it's very cut and dry as to what occurs. We're really supposed to be focusing on this letter that's that Bruce is writing, and it's not meant to be really a whole lot of what's going on in the actual issue. I mean, there's stuff that happens, but it's not, that's not the focus. It's the letter. That's the focus. So it almost feels like the art is trying to make sure to not distract you from paying attention to the writing of the letter, which in some ways I think is kind of a cop out because it's a comic book. I don't want the main focus of the story to be writing of a letter that's just, you're reading and that's it. But the Mm -hmm. stuff that's happening, I mean, I won't say that, you know, there wasn't some, there was some small connections between what was being said in the letter and what was being shown in real time, but there wasn't that many. And I read comic books because I enjoy looking at pictures. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I like looking at pictures when I read stuff. I mean, if I wanted to read a novel, I'd go read a novel, but if I want to read you know something in depth, and oh, he's have, a simple man, and have, you know, a simple man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have no problem admitting it. I, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy looking at pictures. My point is, it just comes down to I don't want to read a comic book where the majority of what's being read, said, you know, put in words is not being shown. That's just not mm-hmm. what I want to read. So mm-hmm. when it comes to this specific issue and this art, it just feels like it's trying to. Detract, it's not trying to detract or distract you from what's being said in the words. And I think that's kind of disservice to the artist because it almost feels like this is what he had to do because what was being written didn't really fit with what he was drawing. So he had leeway. And in some ways, because there's not a lot that happens, there you just that's what you end up with a bunch of splash pages, which whatever. Um, here's the thing. Sometimes this can be done to absolutely awesome effect. I think we all remember the Batwoman issues that were like one splash page after splash page after splash page oh, yeah. back mm-hmm. in the day. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Like that almost, this sounds terrible. And not that the art's bad here. I don't think it presented with bad art. Um, but those, that, those issues of Batwoman where you were just splash page from the beginning to the end really felt like it was, the art was deserving of this kind of special presentation. Um, here the art is fine. I don't think it was necessary to splash page it. Um, and plus, for it being all splash pages, they they broke it up into a lot of panels, didn't they? Um, not maybe not traditional panels, but they didn't go with some of the big art pieces that I think maybe would have had a bigger effect here. Um, and like Dustin said, the and Stella, you brought this up too when I when I hit it on earlier. To do it last issue with Selena's letter was cool. But now we're doing it again. It's kind of, you know, I'm like, eh. I mean, what actually happens in the art here is, I mean, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but he walks through some tunnels and falls down in front of Bane. You know, like not a lot going on here. Um, I don't know why they decided to do it twice in a row, but I don't think that, again, I, I wasn't angry. I wasn't like, these splash pages are ruining it. And, you know, I'm trying, <laughs> you know, trying to run it through a shredder or anything. But I think mm-hmm. if you're going to go splash page heaven, give me something cool. And, uh, I, you know, I remember back, I just think of the most, you know, logical one I thought of recently was like, was the Batwoman one that was so cool. So here it's fine. I'm not angry about it, but not necessary. I agree with you guys. I think I will, you know, word to the wise, obviously people are already 
you know, they're listening to the show, so they probably already read. But I think the first time you read it, uh, you can read it like the whole thing. You've got the letter as well as what's going on. But I would suggest the second time you you should read it a second time and ignore everything except the letter, because then it'll have like a bigger flow and your mind's not like being diverted past and present sort of thing. So I do suggest that. I will totally agree. Yeah, if, if you hadn't brought it up, Ed, I was going to bring up the fact of uh, Batwoman. The difference being, though, um, that there's just so much, uh, like it literally is art because of how it's laid out and, and, you know, making the Batwoman shape is just like one example and having different panels breaking that up and things like that. And I think there are really fun things that go on, like him going up to the chimney stack. You can see sort of a fade out of him and the movements and everything like that. Um, so it's it's somewhat successful. I wouldn't say that it's like you know, A plus uh, or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's just a fighty sort of, I mean, it's literally probably what a video game would look like, you know, just making the way through and like you, you know, your objective is to get to Bane and basically beating up yeah, different really. people like that. Um, so we don't normally see it. Um, I feel like with, with the books that we do, I think we've been seeing it a lot with Detective, but not necessarily with Batman. Uh, does it fit with the letter format? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, the positive thing about the letter, I think, again, is just that it, it pairs up well and it complements Catwoman. Uh, but if there's another letter next issue, I think it's going to be overkill. And I'm hoping it's not like a back and forth kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's okay. Uh, and I, I think there are fun moments to it, but... I don't think we need to do it more. I think, you know, a little bit is is great. And that's all I have. All right. So, Batman, I'm going to give two and a half. Oh. Two out of five. Ah, uh, heavens. Um, uh, I'll also go with 2.5. All right. And over on the website, Matthew gave it three. So that's going to give... Batman number 12, a total of two and a half out of five bad rings. Let's move into our next and last book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 946, written by James Tynion IV, art by Eddie Barrows. Uh, the issue starts off three months ago before, uh, while Bruce and Tim are surveying the old Wayne Tower which is the future side of the Belfry. Tim questions Bruce's choice to form a team and says that he is questioning the potential to take proactive steps to remove the suffering of Gotham instead of merely reacting to crime with punching. Bruce asks Tim to to remind him to trust, reach out, and see the big picture, and Tim promises he'll stay by Batman's side. In the present, Batman, Orphan, Batwoman, Batwing, and Clayface plan their response to the victim syndicate's attack on Leslie Tompkins' free clinic. They each take a floor, Batman meeting Azrael on his level, praising him for doing his job in protecting the clinic and tasking him with evacuation. When Shaw Paul has left, Batman demands the syndicate show themselves, and the first victim steps out of the shadows. Batman pleads with the first victim to let him make things right, but the villain responds that Batman will have blood on his hands by the end of their plan. As Azrael evacuates, Harper O texts Steph to check up on her. Steph deflects her friend's concern and turns to the mudroom simulation of Tim in Red Robin gear. Though the simulation cannot truly understand her, she uses it to express her grief and anger at the wrongness of the world. She reveals that the first victim asked her one question in Tompkins' clinic, why does she fight? 
The simulation cannot comprehend her history and question, but does manage to ask Steph what the world she wants. Clayface confronts Mudface, capturing her through the bracelet created for him by Tim, which allows someone to someone altered by the Clayface chemicals to reform their original body. Though the bracelet proves a trap, Clayface expresses his sorrow and repentance to glory, the woman he turned into a monster. Batwoman easily takes down Madame Crow, and Batwoman uses nanobots to incapacitate Mr. Noxious. Orphan stops the mute in his tracks with a recording of his wife's last message before the Joker murdered her. Their team decimated. The first victim roars in frustration that Batman refuses to fight them. However, before the police can come finish the job, Spoiler appears, overloading the team's comms and proclaiming her intention to fix the world. All right. So, uh, so the first thing, so it turned out it was a simulation. All that, all that discussion last episode, it really was just a simulation. So, are you disappointed? Well, I mean, I don't like being wrong, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. I mean, it is, oh, I can't, I, I can't deny, I can't yeah. deny that I was wrong. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. he definitely was not just a figment of her imagination. So, so let's let's <laughs> talk about spoiler for a second here. Um, spoiler herself was before the issue started or before this story arc started, I should say, uh, Tynion had said that, that spoiler was going to be a, one of the main focus, the, the characters that was going to get a main focus this time around. We talked about this in other issues as well, but this specifically, the, the fact that she is one, we know why, what, what first victim said to her, um, First victim apparently didn't do anything, just asked her the question, um, why does she fight? And then, you know, the Tim's response of what world does she want? Um, this has led her to decide that she's going to try to fix the world. We don't know what that means. We'll find out next issue. But what do you think she means by it? I mean, what do you think her coming into the situation that's currently happening with the team, the, the victim syndicate basically being taken down besides the first victim who Batman refuses to fight and basically declaring that she's going to fix the world. What do you think she means by that? Well, that's a good question, Dustin. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure what she means by it. If I have to think about it, um, maybe she's got her and Tim seems like her, especially maybe had a little more of idyllic, way of doing things. Maybe she thinks instead of fighting these people that they can help them. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a great answer for this. Um, she seems like she's a little misguided, even if she has some great idea for saving the world or helping the world. It doesn't seem like this is the appropriate time to be doing what she's doing. Um, unless there's something, you know, there that we don't know about, which makes me think that we might start next issue with a flashback to a, a scene with her and Tim. Cause whatever he said to her, the computerized version said to her uh, did seem to kind of get under her skin. Um, so I'm going to assume that maybe she doesn't think that all this violence and stuff is, is the world she wouldn't fight for. And she's going to try to go a more peaceful way. Yeah. I think it gets down to the violence potentially, or at least, you know, the way that the four characters that are, or I guess five that are opposite her had been dealing with the, the different, members of the victim syndicate has really been, you know, punching and electrocuting and things like that. And so I think she's going to go about it a different way. What that way is, I'm not really sure. I mean, you kind of have to think back to how she was introduced because she was reflecting on her origin as well. And she was using um, really just videos, right? To sort of 
um, I, I guess, explain to others what was going on at the time of Batman and Robin Eternal, and or was it just Batman Eternal? And, <laughs> you know, take her father down. So I think she's just going to go about it in a way that does not involve violence because that's how all of this started. Um, we're getting closer to figuring out, you know, who the first victim uh, actually is, but uh, it really comes down to, you know, Batman and Batman fighting off against somebody else and then they're being collateral damage. So there's got to be some other way that will limit um, collateral damage, but I'm not really sure what that way uh, will be. I think you should, that, that phrase collateral damage is perfect because when you look at the situation we're currently in, with a group of villains that basically all of them in some way are collateral damage to fights that Batman or members of the Bat family have had with other villains, and they are all essentially collateral damage. But when you look at more specifically at Stephanie and what she's dealing with, with the, the, the grief of the death of Tim, who essentially is also collateral damage from mm. a giant situation that's that's happened between Batman and Jacob Kane. Tim was basically collateral damage in that situation too. Um, so, you know, I think the thing is, I, I agree that the idea that, you know, it's a nonviolent, she's going to have some sort of nonviolent resolution to this. I don't know if she's going to figure out who, maybe she knows who first victim is. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're pointing that that's the direction they're going, but if she knew who it was and was able to reveal it, you know, the problem is it seems like she comes in a situation where Batman's already saying he doesn't want to fight first victim. He just wants to try to make things right with first victim and first victim doesn't want that to happen. He wants, or he or she, we don't know, but he or she wants to make Batman pay for everything that's happened. Um, even though Batman decides that maybe violence isn't the, the the correct response now. And we're kind of shown that in that weird flashback at the beginning of the issue where Tim is talking to Batman and it almost seems like they're coming to an agreement that violence isn't always the, 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 the best answer. Um, sometimes planning things out and having a little bit more of effect on the city itself can have like the idea of like, you know, well, this kind of brings me to my next question because it, it does have to do with the violence aspect. But, you know, we've seen multiple stories over the course of all three of us being on the comic cast where Batman has tried to revitalize certain areas of Gotham City or tries to pour a bunch of money into certain things to help Gotham out outside of just being Batman. We've seen that. But most of the time, either one of two things normally happens. Either the areas that he's trying to throw a bunch of money in, nothing actually happens um, because the, the the writer of the story is just using it as a plot point and it, it just isn't useful anymore, so they just let it go. I, I'm specifically looking at Amusement Mile with Dick Grayson because oh, wow. um, nothing was resolved with that. It was just kind of like, well, it's done. We're, we're just going to move on to the next story. Mm-hmm. Um but then there was there you know there was other stories too that, that that have done this exact same thing, and I'm wondering this, and I'm not saying this because it's happening here because I don't think that this is a thing, but it's just a question that I was thinking of when we were talking about the violence is not always the answer. Do you really think that Batman, who literally it's either violence or it's simple things like? Uh, also bringing back to the idea of, you know, when we first, well, this, this story arc first started up, we were shown the woman who works at Wayne Enterprises that was also 
in mm. Morrison's run who, again, they were showing that violence doesn't always have to be the answer for people to have a better life. Sometimes it's just as simple as giving somebody, you know, somebody a chance. So I feel like there's an ongoing theme here, but do you really believe that, um, knowing that we only have one more issue in the story arc, do you really believe that something's going to happen in a nonviolent manner that's going to resolve this conflict between the victim syndicate and the bat family? I could, I could see the possibility of Stephanie playing mediary, you know, and, mm. and talking the first victim back from the ledge. Um, I, I could, I could see that being one possible outcome. Otherwise I don't, I don't really know what she's going to do there. You know, like if she's not there to kind of settle this dispute between the two of them, I don't I don't know what she's doing there. Um, I don't think she's come to fight for Batman. I don't honestly think she's going to fight against Batman. Which, well, besides the fact that that would be ludicrous, you know, um, I, I just don't I can't see that's what she's doing there. So she must be going to play Peacemaker, I guess. So. Yeah, I guess I, I can see it not being resolved by violence if that is the whole point of the story. Um, I think more than likely it will be resolved by some kind of violence, but I, I could see that that was the whole point of the story and we see some kind of peaceful resolution and um, that's what happened. So, yes, I, I think it's a better than 0% chance. I just hope that she doesn't act as mediator and then first victim takes her out like, kills yeah, her yeah, and yeah. says like this is what happens and then you know as if to level the pay- playing field uh, let's, that would let's, be a hope term- to, let's really hope we do not have our second fatality James oh, Tynan dropping yeah. dead bodies and yeah. it would be you know the per- it would be all the more tragic just because you know Tim was killed and then she's the one who's kind of on both sides I guess of of the Batman you know Batman first victim like she's very much in the middle of it all so I don't know um is there a nonviolent solution <laughs> don't you wish there were you know it's funny because uh the way you were talking about you know, Batman tries to throw money at things to potentially solve problems. And that sort of connects back to, you didn't say it in that way, but that's basically kind yeah, of I mean, that's it essentially what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, it goes back to that, <laughs> that annual that we did. Um, because remember, he's sitting in his chair after that one and, and says, do I really accomplish anything and take this other guy? Barry, I think his name was, and you know the the philanthropist, and then it also reminded me. I just, I literally just finished, um, like binge watching Westworld, and it reminds me of the Man in Black uh, because he talks about like he did all those good deeds out in like the quote unquote real world, but then you know like it didn't really help him very much internally. Um, so I, I don't know. There's just that connection there. Uh, but I don't know if there's a nonviolent solution. I think someone's going to try it and it's going to end badly. And I think that's, that's really all I can say about that. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I really feel like something tragic is going to happen, but I hope it's not Steph dies. I mean, if Steph gets taken down and she's incapacitated, and she's not going to be on the team for a while because she has she sustained some injury. I'm okay with that mm. because that's better than killing her. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got her back, you know. Yeah, um, I definitely don't want her dead, and I don't feel yeah. like Titan is going to kill her because I feel like he uh, enjoys the character too. 
Um, but then again, he has said that Tim Drake is his favorite Robin. But I feel Ooh. like he was kind of forced into that situation because that I don't think him. that was his call. Yeah, I think that was kind of part. You know, that they played into whatever they're doing with DC Rebirth and going forward. But um, I, I hope that she doesn't die. I, I assume she's not going to, but I feel like something horrible is going to happen where she's going to at least get taken down where, you know, there's the question of, is she going to be all right? Is she going to recover or something like that? I don't feel like Batman's going to kill first victim. I don't feel like that's going to happen, but it does feel weird that the entire victim syndicate is taken down except for first victim. The only person we really don't know the backstory of is first victim clearly the next issue is going to have to focus on first victim a lot in order for there to be a significant payoff at the end of the story. Um, Otherwise it's just kind of like, well, whole home, there was a character that was around and now it's gone. So um, I feel like there's going to be a, it's going to be violent. I do like the idea of Steph be kind of being the mediator though, and just kind of saying like, this is the reason why it happens. This is why I fight. This is the world I want. And that's why I fight, you know, something like that would be great. And then first victim to suddenly snap out of their, their uh, psychopath killing spree, you know, desires. I don't know. I don't see that happening, but one can dream. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five. Uh, Yeah. Three out of five. It's good. It's fine. Three out of five. All right, and over on the website, Ian gave it four. That's going to give Detective Comics number 946 a total of three and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's head over to the website for our Greater Gotham. Over the last two weeks, uh, first up on July 7th, uh, we, as far as main TV books, we had Batman number 12, which we already talked about. Nightwing number 10, Nightwing heads to the city of Bloodhaven to not only have to op- uh, to have a city to operate in, but also somewhere he can find himself. Um, this is this was reviewed by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Back to Bloodhaven. Good. All right. Harley Quinn, number nine. Harley has a dream that is analyzed by her therapist. Then she heads out for some roller derby for trying to figure out who took out her main rival. This is you by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Secondary TV books. Batman 66 meets Steed and Mrs. Peel, number six. Digital chapters uh, 11 through 12. It's the final issue. The Cape Crusader and Steed and Mrs. Peel's cybernaut adventure draws to a close as the mystery of Michaela Gao's motives are revealed. This is by Jerry. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. Neutral. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number 10, after the Lee confronts the hacker from the last issue, they learn that they have had a bounty worth of fortune. They have had a bounty worth the fortune of both Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne which invites villains from all over the DC universe to try and take them out. This was by Paul. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 As far as secondary DC universe books, DC Comics Bombshells number 20, which includes digital chapters 58 through 60. Vixen, former Olympic champion and ruler of Zambesi, briefs Catwoman and Batwoman as they sail to her country to to protect Amanda Waller from the Nazis. Renee Montoya, the question, is not happy to be along for the ride. (gasps) 
She reveals that she reveals to Vixen that her past with Kate in Spain, the loss of Jason and her childhood in the Dominican Republic. The uh, Vixen shows the team a robot rhino unearthed by her archaeologists. The group is attacked by the woman whose sniper shot killed Jason. Green Arrow number 12, Black Canary, continues to work alongside Green Arrow while someone tries to frame him for multiple murders. And in Justice Ground Zero number one, Digital Chapters number one through two, Harley Quinn details her life leading up to and during the years of injustice. After retelling her past, she assumes control over the Joker resistance fighters to fight Superman and the regime. Moving over to December 14th, we have main TBU books, Detective Comics number 946, which we already talked about. Back on the Birds of Prey number five, the identity of who is behind the Oracle moniker is finally revealed as Uh and who is Fennis is also revealed. This was reviewed by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. What a letdown. I mean, I was, you know, believing, hoping that it was calculator, and it turns out to be a fanboy. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we were kind of all thinking, well, you know, Donovan, Josh, and I, that the fact that um, the mother in Helena's memories was like, you never saw her face, was like leading us to believe that it was, oh, it was probably Finis. Uh, and it turns out to be, so that was true, but we were wrong, so very wrong in a bitter fashion on who Oracle was. I'll give it a thumbs down. So I was actually going to invite us to talk about the reveal of Oracle for a moment mm, okay, here. Okay, please. So the. The reveal ended up being, for those of you who have not read the issue, as Stella said, it was a fanboy. It wasn't anybody, some mm. big dad from... Anybody cool. Yeah. Sword it, wasn't, it wasn't anybody from the bird's past or Barbara's past in any way. It was just some fanboy. Now, in the defense of the choice that they chose to go with, which was just some random schmo, the, the idea that it is just some random schmo and he was trying to fill... like The, the way they explained it where he was there... He was a hacker. He was in online. He and a bunch of other hackers loved the idea of Oracle. Oracle was a huge part of the internet community and the hackers and Mm. was a force for good. And when she disappeared, meaning Barbara got her mobility back and became Batgirl again, there was a void within the internet and he decided to fill it in. That explanation actually kind of made sense to me. You know, I, I didn't, I agree that I also did not like the idea of, some just random schmo becoming or being the reveal that it's Oracle. Uh, clearly DC was trying to uh, bring down the expectations of people by revealing not only that it was just some schmo that uh, was Oracle, but they actually revealed it before you actually went to the store and bought it because it was revealed in the preview that they released th- two days before the comic released. So they were also concerned that people were going to be have, have too high expectations for this. The but as for the the thing, like yes, it would have been awesome if it was calculated or somebody like that. But I feel like in some ways it's almost better not to have it be that situation because now who knows if this character is actually going to be part of the team full time or if it's just going to be a character that's around for a very short amount of time. Maybe they're going to kill the character off in the next issue, and then somebody else is going to assume the the Oracle moniker, and then it'll be calculator. Who knows? I just feel like this character is designed to be a throwaway character on purpose. We'll see. Well, two, I mean, does this raise any difficult discussions about timeline now that she was Oracle again? That this is like, she was definitely Oracle for a while. 
Well, they're they're definitely going that route and saying that it happened, but I feel like yeah, it's I mean like they're not explaining it as in depth as they probably should, but I don't think that they they will because then it puts them in it boxes them in. It just holds, yeah. Um, I I get what you're saying, and I think I'm glad that there was that one page of Babs just talking and being like, so you mean you did all this? And he's like, blah, blah, blah. And you did this. And then, you know, and like the reasons for why he was basically villainous to like draw her out to a certain extent and that she was so uh, beloved on, on the interwebs. Uh, but it was just, ah, uh, I don't know. You kind of want, <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's kind of weird me saying this, but you want someone to, um, have all of that stuff for like more of like a creepy reason than for like being a fan. Um, cause you know, it turns out to be innocent, but then, you know, when it was all like building up to calculator, like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And the Batman thing, you know, that sort of fell flat there. Cause he's like, I figured it out. Batman is really six different people. Um, I, I just felt like it was, I, I wanted it to be someone that you knew. I didn't want there to be this huge buildup for it to be a nobody. You know, the positive thing of the issue is that it gets her behind a keyboard. And, you know, he's gushing over that, literally fanboying. Uh, Because that's, you know, quintessential BOP right there with with Babs being the person as a communicator and there at the monitor. And then you having the field ops uh, operatives as Dinah and Huntress. And that was certainly like a wonderful little flashback and being uh, very classic Birds of Prey. But I I just feel like for the buildup and everything and, uh, you know, it just seems bad to like, yes, I was doing this to draw you out, but look at all the bad things that you were doing to in order to do that and just how invasive it was. You want it to be a villain, and, and I don't think um, that you can say this person is not a bad person because he is with all the stuff he did. But now it's like it's trying to be overwritten by making him kind of cute and like, oh, you know, it's yeah. yeah. So I'm just disappointed. But I think that's part of the – I think that's part of the – reason that I, that they're I think they're doing that on purpose because like you assumed that this was going to be some big bad and then ends up being this guy and like then you know by the end of the issue you find out that even though he's been working for the mobs he's donating his money to charities so like they're really trying to like fix the character to make him sympathetic even though that's probably not what they were going for initially maybe they were had they did have another idea and then somebody was like no we can't go that route because it does mm. feel like very abrupt switch. I mean, I know that the, the most majority of the issues have been focusing on this, you know, Fennis and the other stuff, but the Oracle character has still been relevant in all of these issues. And the fact that now we have the reveal and it's just kind of like, meh. Yeah. It almost feels like, especially since wasn't it issue four solicited as the reveal? Yep. And there was no reveal. So it's almost like maybe the ending was changed. Mm. And then that's why it happened right away in the beginning of issue five. Maybe that's why. I guess we'll never know until we, until Stella performs an exit interview with the team after their. An exit interview. That sounds awesome. I love it. Stella's exit interview. All right. So next up, Red Hood and the Outlaws number five is Black Mask controls Bizarro, Artemis, and Red Hood try to fight off Bizarro while trying to take down black mask this review by bill he gave four out of five i'm gonna give this one a thumbs up man okay thumbs up oh uh, yeah thumbs up 
Gotham Academy second semester number four, the detective club heads to a haunted carnival and deals with a demon and an old friend of Headmaster Hammer. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Um, Thumbs up. Uh, secondary TV books, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle <gasps> Adventures number two. As the Joker and Harley double-cross Shredder, the Turtles meet Batman, Robin, and Batgirl and realize that they are all on the same side before having to face Poison Ivy and Snakeweed. This was reviewed by Paul. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs down. How you? Neutral. No, neutral, you, neutral. you're <laughs> terrible. You need to explain yourself right now, sir. Neutral. No, I haven't even read it. Sorry. <gasps> <laughs> Just was having fun with you guys. Oh, thumbs up. It was great. There was shipping. There, Dick and Babs were potentially on a date. And then there's like Barbara Gordon fighting April O'Neil. The matchup you never even knew you wanted. It was amazing. I loved it. Like three thumbs up. I will say this. Uh, as a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the current series on Nickelodeon, I, I, I enjoy this. Um, and I almost want to say that it's borderline as good. I, I wouldn't say it's yet. But I want to say it's it's almost as good as the first Turtle uh, Batman crossover that was done by Tynan and Freddie Williams. Um, but so far, so good. I like the addition of Batgirl into the story, too. So, All right. Uh, main DC Universe books. Suicide Squad number eight is Harley tries to save everyone who is under the control of the Black Volt. Zod emerges from custody as a threat to the team. In the backup, Killer Frost is flown to Belle Reve as the newest member of the Suicide Squad. This was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral. Neutral. And DC Rebirth Holiday Special, number one. The Holiday Special offers various mini-stories with various theme holiday themes, including a variety of characters, including Batman, Robin, Batwing, Black, Batgirl, Batwoman, and many more. Ooh. All the stories are framed by a Harley Quinn story. This is by <gasps> Jim. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral, and we're going to discuss this at length in a little bit. Fifth thumbs up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, thumbs up. All right. Secondary DC Universe books, Earth 2 Society, number 19, Dick Grayson's Batman, along with Helena Wayne's Huntress and Dick's son, John, investigate how to take down central control. And New Superman number six, New Superman saves the Batman of China from the control of Starro. And then over the last two weeks, we had a number of trade and hardcover releases, including Absolute Infinite Crisis hardcover, Batman 66, Volume 5, trade paperback, DC Rebirth, Omnibus hardcover, and Justice Gods Among Us, Year 5 hardcover, or Volume 1 hardcover, and Justice Gods Among Us, Year 4, Volume 2, trade paperback, Justice League Volume 8, Dark Side War Part 2, trade paperback, uh, Batman Robin Adventures Volume 1 trade paperback, Batman Volume 10 epilogue hardcover, Batman Volume 9 Bloom trade paperback, The Dark Knight Returns The Last Crusade Deluxe Edition hardcover, Justice League of America The Silver Age Volume 2 trade paperback, and Deathstroke Volume 4 Family Business trade paperback. So those are all the books that came out in the last two weeks. Be sure to check out the website for detailed reviews on Almost everything that we mentioned, other than the secondary DC Universe books, we have detailed reviews of all of these books. If you want to keep up with what's going on, but you don't have the funds to pay for all of these books, the detailed reviews on the website should help you out. So, Or maybe then, you're buying them and you just don't have time to read them because you're so busy for the holidays. That too. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That too. It's a lot easier to pull out your phone than a stack of comic books. Fair. So, so that. And no, I'm not talking about going and buying digital comics. I'm talking about reading our reviews. So, 
All right. So, uh, like I said, I want to talk about uh, before we get into our bat signal listener Q and A's. I want to talk about the rebirth holiday special specifically because, as you remember, in the last episode, we were talking about the Batman annual, and while we were talking about it, we were talking. We, we mentioned holiday specials and how it had been some time since we saw a holiday special, and the last holiday special that wasn't a Harley Quinn one. I believe came out in 2013, a Valentine's Day special, which was the one where they had the Superman and Wonder Woman relationship kind of stem and bloom from that. Um, But I believe that was 2013. So it's been some time. Um, And then, of course, we had the Harley Quinn ones, but we haven't really had a true DC Universe holiday special, regardless of what holiday it is, for quite some time. So lo and behold, unbeknownst to myself, there all of a sudden was a holiday special that released just this past Wednesday from the time of recording this. So within the last two weeks and it was called DC rebirth holiday special number one. Um, so the cool thing about this was not only was there a slew of stories, um, they took the route of covering a variety of different types of holidays, not just Christmas. Um, but they also, they also covered Hanukkah, um, they covered other holidays as well. New Year's Eve or New Year's Day was covered. Um, there was a there was some that I wasn't super familiar with. Um, the one that the Green Lanterns were celebrating at the end, I I was unaware of. But I guess that just shows how much I live under a rock, or specifically live in my basement and in a uh, bat cave. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so briefly, I know we all we all read through it because we talked about reading through it. So mention your favorite story and why you enjoyed it. My favorite story, uh, and this is going to be weird because there's a lot. There's a lot. If anyone hasn't read this, um, there's a lot of bat material in this. I mean, I think half the story is probably maybe more. Yeah, I think it's more around them. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, Batwoman's got a story. Batman's got a story. You know, there's a lot of, it is a lot of Batman here and we all know we're big Batman fans. Therefore, my answer is going to be kind of weird. My favorite story was the Wonder Woman Constantine story. Um, just because you don't, although those characters both play in the in the magic land a little bit, John a lot, and Diana, you know, with with the Themyscira and everything like that, we don't really get to see the two of them together. In fact, I don't know if there's ever been a Wonder Woman and Constantine story. Um, I like both those characters a lot, so I really enjoyed seeing them together. I well, my favorite art. I'll, I'm going to break this up. My favorite art was um, the Flash story. Uh, Robert Rodriguez did the art, which was reminiscent. This is probably not fair to him, but reminiscent to Francis Manipool. But I just thought it was really beautiful art. Uh, favorite moment from the whole issue was the fact that Dick and Babs had a meetup. Um, that was so romantic. And, but my favorite story, <laughs> my favorite story was the last minute. Uh, which is a Superman and Batman story, but it really turns into an amazing uh, Damien and uh, John story, uh, basically the sons of Batman, because there's this fight that's going on he wants, um, and Damien ends up getting the last. It's kind of like that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. What is it called? Jingle, Jingle Bells? Or Jing- yes, Jingle All the Way! And so he's the one who gets it, um, apparently in the Kent household you can open one gift on Christmas Eve so he goes and picks it out and it happens to be what he was looking for and Damien gave it to him and they like have a nice little um, moment at the end which I thought was really cool um, and you know hopefully leads into um, 
super sons and, and just their relationship and everything, which is cool. So I just thought that was great holiday spirit. And of course, Damien would do something like that. Snag it from Superman. My choice is probably going to be a weird one, mostly because I have this weird, <gasps> weird, this very strange affinity <gasps> for this character. But the one that I enjoyed was Batman and Detective Chip. Oh, strange I, affinity for Batman or a strange affinity for Detective Chip? No, Detective Chip. Mostly because he's a chimp, <laughs> and I've got this weird thing. I I really like monkeys, chimps, and gorillas specifically, but I really enjoy oh, wow. monkeys Good. and gorillas. I go to the zoo a lot, and when I go to the zoo, wow. I end up staring at the gorillas way longer than a normal person should. Um, <laughs> this is hilarious. But Love this. but basically, this whenever Christmas I see gift. Detective Chimp in a comic, the the last time I've actually saw Detective Chimp was in an episode of Batman: The Brave and the Bold. And I was like, awesome, Detective mm-hmm. Chimp is here. Um, but I actually knew that Detective Chimp was going to be in this. And I specifically sought this comic out because of the Detective Chimp story. And honestly, it's a very, very simple, you know, detective story. But it's a chimp who's a detective and he wears clothes. It's awesome. I also love mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes, which probably, I mean, that obviously has to do that, Yeah, too. I could have guessed that after the statement of staring at gorillas for too long. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, like, it just comes down to, like, I, I really like Detective Chimp. And, like, I really think that the art, as much as it's nowhere near my cup of tea whatsoever, it, for some reason, it worked perfectly with Detective Chimp. I I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I just, I'm, I'm smiling looking at the pages with Aww. Detective Chimp. Really? That that doesn't. Let's just say that doesn't. So, um, hey, here's here's a detective chimp trivia question for you. In Elseworlds, mm. yeah, you ready for this one? Detective Chimp was the hacker name of what character? I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know that much about Guy the Gardner. Yeah, and in, there was an Elseworlds story. I'm a big Green Lantern fan. That uh, Guy Gardner's uh, hacker code name was Detective Chimp. What a weird, weird connection. But so, hey, I despise Guy Gardner. I don't like Guy Gardner as well. I, I also don't like him. My the best Guy Gardner scene ever was One Punch. One Punch. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um go. are we renaming this podcast now? Or is it gonna oh, be, be fun. the Detective Chimp uh podcast? Unfortunately, there's not enough material to cover on Detective Aww. Chimp. I wish there was more. I would buy a mini if they did a mini. They won't, but I would do it. I would buy it. I don't think if- there's enough people who would buy it. I don't know. It's all like honestly, right. you can't tell me that seeing that detective wearing a Christmas sweater with bat symbols on it isn't just awesome. I no, no, know. and do you know actually where he could be a semi regular in, which would totally fit in in Pomiati and Connor as Harley Quinn. Yes, that's true. He could. Be. They could. They could totally put that character in that book, and it would absolutely work. Yeah, it would totally work. It's funny because Heath Corson was the writer who wrote the story. And he also did the story with uh, Batmite. He did the mini for Batmite. I just kept thinking as I was reading this, oh man, if I, got, if, I got a, if I got a Detective Chimp mini instead of that Batmite mini, that would have been so awesome. It was not to happen. But anyway, so that was that. Uh, but like like I said, there was a bunch of stories. I mean, like I said during the, the, the Greater Gotham, there were stories involving Batwoman. There was, like mm-hmm. Stella said, there were stories with Nightwing and Batgirl. Uh, Damien, Batman was in a bunch of different segments. Mister Freeze popped up. Um, so, I mean, I know that it was it was a ten dollar comic, which is a lot of money. But was there expensive. was a lot, a lot of story in this too. Um, mm. The review by itself that Jim wrote up on the website, which thanks to Jim for writing the review up on the website because it was uh, 
not part of our normal group of stuff that we cover. But after I read through it and realized how much Batman stuff there was, I decided it needed to get covered. So he decided to write up the 2400 word review of the the book because there was just so much story. So if you want to know what happened but don't want to shell out the $10, read the review. There's a lot of cool stories. Not all of them worked. Not all of them were super great. But some of them were good, and some of them will probably tug at your your heartstrings. So give it a chance. At least just read the review because, hey, I could use the hits on the website. Hey, and you know what? I like this holiday special. I like the concept of them having one. Um, I don't know if it's – I mean, you hit that briefly. That nine ninety nine price point's a big – you know what I'm saying? Like – that's a lot. That's the price of a cheap trade, almost. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's it's not cheap, and I, it'll be interesting to see where it falls in sales when sales reports yeah, come point. out next month. Specifically, because I like when they do these, and I especially like when there's such a variety of different characters. Like, yes, there was a lot of bad characters, but the no, bad characters, characters Flash, Wonder yeah, Woman, yeah, they, yeah. they had other characters, but. It was cool because even when there was bad characters, they figured out ways of like teaming them up with other characters who wouldn't get the spotlight, like Detective Chimp. He's never going to get a, a, a you know his own series or a mini series or anything. Although, if they did, hey, like I said, I'd buy it. So, yeah, okay, I got to move on from this. I keep thinking of Detective. All no, right. it's okay. We 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 get a whole segment on it. Yeah. So, all right. So from that, we're going to move on to our bat signal. As promised, we're going to give away two copies of Suicide Squad digital version uh, to two of our commenters. Uh, That obviously brought the commenters to the website this holiday season because we had eight comments on this episode. So we'll start off with the first one, which comes from Evan. My favorite moment of the comic podcast is the extensive discussion of Tim Drake's V-Card, most of which got cut out. How does he know it got cut? How does he know that? I think we talked about how much we got. Oh, okay. I was thinking maybe Evan, someone in disguise, like Dustin or Josh, just because it's hilarious. My favorite comic story arc is the first Red Robin arc, The Grail. General comment, I'm still enjoying Detective, but I'm thoroughly annoyed by Bat not Tony Stark wing. (laughs) I really hope Tim Drake does return as Tim Drake soon and isn't badly damaged. I'm actually still hopeful he will get another solo in the not too distant future, but I don't know what the likelihood of that is. One more thing concerning the annual. I think there's some kind of gap between the solicitation and release silent night. A hush of winter snowfall has fallen over Gotham City, but a quiet night in this place is never truly quiet. Batman and his allies and his many foes stalk the streets in this icy showcase of top talent. I only flipped through the annual myself, so I could have missed something, but what allies? Hmm. I was expecting Nightwing and Damien and, well, not Tim, but maybe Jason to work with Bruce. That didn't happen. It's not as bad as that Dark Knight issue with Tim on the cover. <laughs> yes, remember that? He wasn't with in Tim the book. On the, there yeah. was such a lie. With Tim on the cover from Court slash Night slash Weekend slash Day Spa <laughs> the Owls, but still annoyed me. It's ah. a good point about the annual. Um, because I know what that was, yeah. 
The, si- the Silent Night part was Scott Snyder's story because that was the one where it was it was Silent Night and it was that's that was what it was. Um, but the Allies thing, I do feel like there was probably supposed to be something included with the Allies. I would assume, and, right? And now here's the, here's the strange thing, and I and I I don't have anything to pull up immediately to actually talk about this, but I swear that Tom King posted something on Twitter of a sketch that was done by David Finch that showed Bruce and all of the members like Tim, Damien, or I don't think Tim was there, but it was Damien, Jason and Dick at the table with Alfred. And they were eating some sort of holiday meal. And I swear that that was, that was, he said that it was going to be in the annual. Now I'm going to have to go back and, and look for this tweet because maybe Reset. it was, and then it got cut because they were like, well, we really want this to just be Batman right. and not, everything else because huh. we're going to have these other stories involving the allies in the holiday special. So I'll have to, I'll have to quickly look that up while we go through these next ones. But um, as, as far as the Tim's V card, cause I know that this is going to come up a couple other times. There was a lot cut out. Uh, if you've been listening to the comic cast for a long time, you have no idea what we're talking about. There was a certain storyline that was happening during uh, Tim's nice. run as red Robin in the series Red Robin that was after Battle for the Cowl, where Tim was not only seeking out to try to find where Bruce Wayne was, but there was a number of female villains that were trying to go after Tim. And for whatever reason, they were all obsessed with sleeping with Tim. I don't know if it was just because they were trying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was just that they were trying to make, well, not all of them were full grown. Some of them in the same ages. No, but there was, there was enough of them. Oh, there was enough. yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, there was like a serious conversation and interviews with the creator or the writer at the time, which was Fabian Nasiza, who he was specifically saying that these women were trying to get Tim's V card virginity. If for those of you who don't know what a V card is. So the thing is it mm. like, it was never actually explicitly detailed in the story, but you could tell that these women were trying to throw themselves at Tim for some very strange reason. And, at the time when we were dis- when we were covering the story, I believe it was Don and Josh and myself who were talking about the story, and we must have spent no joke forty five minutes on a discussion just talking about the implications of what is all happening. And in the editing process, we ended up chopping a ton of it out because we realized that we spent way too much time talking about a fictional character's virginity. And he's also underage. So we figured it was just a little too much and we just we cut a lot of it out. So that's what we were talking about with that moment. But yes, it was a for those of like for myself who experienced it, it was a unique conversation that took way more of my afternoon that day than I intended for it talking about fictional characters virginities plus we just had a big conversation about the three of us like five or six episodes ago. Because something happened and it got brought up. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and we ended up talking about it again. So it seems that this conversation about Tim and his V-card happens every four or five years or so. So stick around. It'll be back in style again soon. Did you ever discuss the fact that Dick Grayson has been uh, sexually assaulted twice? By a spider? We have discussed that. Mirage and then uh, tarantula. tarantula. Yeah. And coincidentally, Tarantula is actually going to be in the Lego Batman movie. What? Hopefully she won't do anything sinister. Uh, I don't have <laughs> I anything I can't imagine to that say. Lego. Yeah. 
I don't have. I I mean, poor little Tim. If you've read like his first little Robin series, and there's that scene where <laughs> Lady Shiva comes into his room and it's at night, and she like wakes him up, and he's like, "Is it time?" And she's like, "Not for that." It was super sketchy, especially since like he's very young then. But do you know what scene I'm talking about? I do. It's like his little mini series. Okay. Anywho, we can move on. There's a lot of them. All right, yeah. so our next Poor comment guy. comes from Ian. It is it's so obviously a simulation of Tim. So this is going Correct. back to that uh, detective, which he was right. Ian, you get the big bucks from Dustin. He owes you money, sir. Other options just seem stretching Occam's razor. Okay, when I see that, you know what I think of? Westworld. Plus, it feels very much like something Steph would do with the resources and situations given her. I really liked Batman and Robin Eternal, though I agree it was much weaker than the first Eternal and JT4's current run on Detective. I really disagree that the team is too full. I really like the team interactions and the potential the team has to develop the theme of Batman's lost family and its construction of a new one through inspiration and adoption. I think Tyen's plan of having each team member have an arc is a good one. The first being Kate and Tim, the second being Steph and Clayface, the third being Batwoman, the fourth being Cass. That's interesting how he differentiated Kat, Kate and Batwoman. I wasn't a fan or a hater of Azrael and Batman and Robin Eternal, but I really like the way Tanyan wrote him in Detective here, with his faith not being denigrated, but him not being too fanatical until he draws the sword. That it made me smile with just how bombastic it was. Felt very much like the Batman Nightfall radio drama. Tanyan tends to be a big, slightly goofy storyteller, and I enjoy that a lot in his Bat Family work. I have to say, after the awesome first issue of I Am Suicide, I haven't been digging Batman, and this issue didn't change that feeling. The unanswered questions make it enjoyable. Sorry. The unanswered questions make it unenjoyable. I thought the annual was really disappointing. The Ace and Harley and acrobatic stories were okay, but not worth the cover price. But Stag and the final story just make... It just weren't very fun. Okay. But Stag and the final story just weren't very fun at all. I have to admit, I don't really enjoy Steve Orlando's writing. It's too deliberately hard-edged and unpleasant. The ending of Stag is a really excellent example of that. I know it's setting up a future story, but it's just violent and gory to a character who doesn't deserve it with no sense of justice at all. I think my favorite Batman story would be Batgirl, the lesson. Hmm. With honorable mention to Batman Eternal, Brian Q. Miller took a lot of lemons, Batman Inc., messing with all ongoing storylines, characters being stolen from him at the last moment, arts availability, and of course the death of post-crisis universe and Steph four years later, and gave us It's Only the End if you want it to be. Favorite moment on the comic cast is probably the listener feedback section. Feels like a bunch of friends all talking about Batman comics the best. Well, I will say I enjoy the listener section, listener feedback section as well. It's just it's awesome when we actually get feedback and we can actually discuss things at length, like we were able to do this episode. Uh, I just have to, I guess, I'll have to entice people with future giveaways. Open up that checkbook, baby. Yeah, I guess so. And which is in some ways not what I want. I don't want to have to bribe the listeners to leave comments, but just I'm not rain. saying that I can't. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. Um, our next comment somehow comes from Backhold Oracle. I don't know Ooh. who this person is. 
Who is this? Uh, this lovely human being says, fair warning, Ed and I are considering a revolt. Smiley I face. think this must be in reference to the, the, the renumbering, the renumbering, yeah. Oh, it could be the renumbering or it could yeah. be the fact that I'm hearing a lot of buzz, you know, out there. I'm hearing stuff that, uh, you know, Harper Rose still hasn't made it to Comic Cast. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, people are starting to get edgy. So, <laughs> Dustin? Like I said, you guys can make that happen. <laughs> I've oh, explained man. that I, you guys can, if you want Harper Road to show up and take over the podcast for an episode, I am all for it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Can you do Harper's voice for us? No, not. I, I <laughs> can't even comprehend. Richard Stone was come back. I can't. Uh, like it, it, it'd be near impossible for me to do a girl's voice, even a deep girl's voice. I, I don't know if I could do that. All right, anyway, next, Chris. Ah, Chris Carnes. Another great episode. Thanks for your time and keeping this up on a regular basis. I have no critical comments, but just want to wish you the best for the holiday season and for 2017. Take care. I look forward to any future celebration episodes. Trivia. If I can't get on board playing, perhaps I can assist with providing questions. By the way, thank you for your happy happy holiday wishes. Yeah. We appreciate that. All right, next comment comes from paul hi guys great 200 and 212th episode of the show paul we're still bitter about this i especially liked dustin's old man wikipedia voice at the end of the show oh no after the reveal of the three jokers in justice league 50 i wondered what you thought dc would do with this going forward i also wondered if you liked the idea I have enjoyed Snyder's work with the Joker, Joker, but I'm enjoying his absence from Rebirth at the moment. Thanks again, guys, and Merry Christmas. Hmm. Well, I honestly, well, the three Joker thing it clearly is something that they're going to do at some point. I honestly believe that it's going to be part of something that happens next summer, but I don't know what yet because I feel like it's going to tie also in with whatever's going on with Mr. Oz and Tim Drake locked in a cage uh, so I feel like w- that's it's going to be part of some event, um, and the Joker thing is going to probably be like a tie-in miniseries to whatever the event is. That's my guess. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I would be wary about is uh, Snyder has, again, been talking about bringing Joker in um, to, well, saying that he wa- he has another Joker story, and he has said this before where, He's like, oh, I'm done with the Joker after death of the fa- death of the family, and then he was like, oh wait, I got another Joker story, and then we got uh, what was it, Endgame, and then uh, yeah, and now he's saying he's got another story. So slightly, slightly worrisome is the idea that he has said that he's going to be working with Greg Capullo on some sort of project mm-hmm. that will involve Batman mm-hmm. next summer. In addition to the idea that this three Joker thing is kind of just kind of like lingering there and we don't really know what's going to happen with that. And I I have the utmost respect for Scott Snyder. I really do. But the I really don't want Scott Snyder to have his hands on something too large as part of the DC universe. And I understand that the Joker thing is something that is it's still going to probably be set, you know, within the Batman universe. And whatever the event is, if it is a tie-in that deals with these Jokers, it'll just tie in with that. But I really just don't like the idea of Snyder being too involved with 
stuff that affects the the entire universe. Like it's one thing if his stuff affects the Batman universe, which you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, I also am not super keen on some of the choices that he's made with certain characters and the future of those characters based off of what he's done. Mm-hmm. But the last thing I want is for him to have the ability to affect the entire universe. Like Jeff Johns is a great writer. He has his flaws just like Snyder, but he does, in my opinion, a better job of thinking big picture. Snyder, I think looks at the idea of like, what's a really good story and tells a story, but doesn't look at what's really good for the characters. If that makes sense. I I think they're definitely going to have to get to something there because this whole three jokers and in some other extent, just rebirth as a whole with the Watchmen tease has kind of been a very much walked in. Hey, look what we did. Drop the mic and then never come back yeah. and talk about it. Very, very slow build. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, hey, you we're like still waiting for, we're still waiting for Flash and Batman to link up and start investigating stuff. Yeah. Which was I mean, promised months ago, too. I really thought that this would be the ongoing backstory in Justice League. Right. When we've got Rebirth going, I'm like, oh, you know, like they'll have little adventures in the background. They'll be building the story. I mean, I just assumed that, but it didn't happen. So they do got to get around to it. Uh, Unlike my colleague here, I would not be as worried if Scott Snyder wrote it, because if Scott Snyder writes it, you know, it's going to be great. So um, and I I don't know who else would write it. Um, I think that Jeff Johns was the natural to write it, but he's just too busy now, you know, with the DC Entertainment stuff. So. They got to get somebody from the current stable of writers. Um, and with him and Capullo coming back, maybe it will just be some typical Batman story, but I can't really imagine that. You know? Well, we also have to look at it from the perspective of Capullo works with Snyder again, and Snyder is. And it's Snyder. not All Star Batman. If it's not All Star Batman. It's got to be something, right? What I mean, it's got to be something big, but I mean, like, obviously, Snyder can work on more than one book at a time. He's done it before. Um, he oh, does it routinely. He's got a lot of yeah. independent stuff. Yeah, yeah. He does a lot of indep- he does his independent stuff. You know, he's got American Vampire that I know Which he's is. taken the hiatuses and stuff, but he's worked on that in as part of just the DC universe. He's worked on Swamp Thing and Batman at the same time too. So yes. it's not like it's not possible for him to do that. Although it does seem like when it, he is working on multiple projects, regardless of what they are. His focus does seem to be very in one direction at, at at a specific time, but that's just my opinion. So, yeah, but I think I think it would be, uh, you know, I think we've got to get back to it. You really can't introduce a concept like that. You know, he asked if we like the idea. I, this is going to sound like the biggest cop out answer in the world. I can't tell you if they like the idea because I have no idea what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. all I have is the like smallest kernel of the story right now. Um, in fact, all we have is really the setup for the story. So I, I honestly, I think it could be cool. I think they could do something neat with it. I definitely wouldn't count anybody out, but I honestly haven't, I don't know enough about the story to tell you if I like it or not. All right. So our next comment comes from Jason. Great episode. It's a toss up for favorite moment. I was going to say the discussion around Tim and his feet card. Back again, oh my baby. gosh, this poor guy. But the old grump man Wikipedia that Dustin just did had me spitting up my coffee on my morning commute. Oh, Dustin. Favorite storyline is Hush. Winner. Just love, just love the art and how they brought in so many different characters. I love me some stories that have so many characters, honestly. And and it's great when you have a really good artist who can showcase their characters. I mean, I know, you know, 
I, I, I don't say this lightly, but I really feel like Jim Lee's art 10 years ago compared to his art now was a lot better. Um, that's not saying his art's bad now, but I just feel like the art for Hush was amazing. And like you compare it to the stuff that he's doing in Suicide Squad, which I know that he's doing and he's on these time restraints. And honestly, it's getting to the point where, well, I, I, I honestly feel like he, I, I think he just finished his last issue that he's going to be working on. Um, because now that they're jumping into the Justice League versus Suicide Squad crossover, I don't think that he's doing any of the art on Suicide Squad going forward. But his he, he obviously requires a lot of time. When he has the time, his art can be great. Obviously, it wasn't always like that because Batman, you know, when Hush was coming out, that storyline was releasing on time or close to being on time every single it's month. part of the regular monthly, right? Yeah, it was just part of Batman. So. Yeah. The, the monthly series. So it's not as if he couldn't do it. I just think that probably he has too much on his plate now where he can't dedicate as much time. Um, but it shows when he, you can tell that his art's rushed. And uh, yes. so that being said, uh, Hush was a great showcase of his art. And there's other stories that also showcase artists very well when they are able to do lots of characters. I mean, Fabic, is, I believe, is a great artist. But I think that his full potential was reached when he was over on Justice League where you could see him and his take on such a variety of characters. I think really artists have the best chance of succeeding if they have that ability to really showcase their range of what they can do with with different characters, not just one group of characters. You know, it's, it's true because um, Hush is... is- widely considered by me was my favorite Batman story. Uh, and <laughs> it was widely considered. Depends on who what they get me. But uh, Corbin, our writer, actually uh, sent a, a tweet to me one afternoon. It was like, why do you like Hush so much? Um, and the reason is because what you just said, and this is what I told Corbin at the time. This was Jim Lee, who I think is one of the best artists when he's at top of it, when he is performing at a high level. And this was his best art yeah, ever. I agree. You know, I mean, this was the best you're going to get from an artist on it. Um, and he, like you said, when you look at like all-star Batman and Robin, um, the Frank Miller version, um, you can, the, the story's got some serious, serious flaws, but his art is really good in that too. But I think, I mean, I think they had months between issues there, but um, yeah, I, I mean, this was the best, the best example of Batman comic art in history to me was Hush. So that's why I like it so much. All right. Our next comment comes from Christian. My favorite moment on the comic cast was when you interviewed Scott Snyder. Just to get a big name writer and to talk about his stories was a great listen. My favorite story arc is The Court of Owls. It is one of the best new stories in Batman's long history and has so much potential for more great stories. I like this guy. He's got a lot to say about Snyder in two sentences. So. Oh my gosh. boy, That's true. Now, just to clarify, for those of you who have listened to the comic cast, we didn't actually review Scott Snyder on the comic cast. It was actually part of the old tbu interviews feed which has now been absorbed into the tbu specials feed but uh i think we did play some of the interview on the comic cast i can't tell you for sure but it was a long it was a while ago too it wasn't just you know like the last two years or so it was back right in the midst of here yeah it was it was i honestly believe actually now that i'm thinking about it New 52 started in October uh, or uh, September of 2011. We interviewed him, I believe, in October of 2011. So it's been quite some time uh, because Black Mirror was over. And that's the whole reason we were going to interview him was because Black Mirror was done. But then all of a sudden he was on Batman and we had to push back 
the interview that we were doing with him until October, just because we wanted to be able to discuss whatever was going to pop up in the first issue of Batman without having to sit there and hear, I can't give anything away because the issue hasn't come out. So um, that's why it happened when it did. But we've obviously talked to him multiple times at conventions as well. Um, and yeah, honestly, we, some of the interviews we, we haven't, I, I have no problem admitting, we haven't done any interviews in quite some time just because it, it's, it takes a lot of planning to map some of that stuff out. Stella's done a lot of really good interviews with the Batgirl creative teams and other people who've been involved with Batgirl on Batgirl Oracle. Um, but as the, as myself doing interviews, I haven't really, I, I dropped the ball, but that's mostly just because I just don't have as much time as I used to, which is unfortunate because I enjoy doing those interviews and talking to creators and getting the inside thoughts of what they were thinking and things like that. So at some point, hopefully, you know, I can have more time and we can do more of those. So, yeah. All right. And our last comment comes from Guy. My favorite moment on the podcast is I implore you. My favorite story. <laughs> my favorite story arc yeah. is that. Well, yeah. I mean, I wish I could <laughs> swear to me. I implore. You. <laughs> oh, poor Dustin. I. My favorite story arc is Batman Reborn by Grant Morrison. <clears throat> Thanks again for the awesome podcast, guys, and Merry Christmas. Uh, and thank you for the well wishes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I. I know that a lot of these. I mean, let's see. We besides the uh, the V card discussion, uh, <laughs> practically every single one of these is something that I was in. Well, I mean, obviously, I've <laughs> been course. here. I've obviously been involved in this cast since the inception of it. But uh, I implore you, an old man Wikipedia. Clearly, clearly, uh, I guess it's just when I get a little goofy that people really enjoy it. So, I think it sometimes too is. This the the reaction you get from me and Stella because we don't expect it from you, mm, right? Like, like, yeah. I, which is I, probably I, going I, to be the, the the new one that everyone's going to talk about is my 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 uh d- my like detective of chimp. detective chimp, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that we're going to have a lot of what would detective chimp do over the next two to seven oh, years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's going to happen. So, all right, so. Just I appreciate everybody who sent in comments. It's always great to have a bunch of comments, uh, especially the shorter ones where we can just quickly discuss them um, and and not go too long here. But as I promised, we're going to give away two copies. So um, the winners of the Suicide Squad digital copy are Christian. um, You have been chosen along with Jason. The two of you have won the Suicide Squad digital copy. So all you need to do now is just email me at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. So I have your email address, and I will forward you instructions on how to redeem it along with the code, and you will have your copy of Suicide Squad. Um, now, I know this is releasing on December 23rd, and if you need to – I mean, I, if you if you listen to this right away and you email me, I will try to get it out as soon as possible so you have it in time for Christmas. I'm not sure that Suicide Squad is really a movie that you're going to be sitting around the, the fireplace watching with your family. But <laughs> but if, hey, that's what, that's what you decide to do, by all means, that's what you can do. So Could get weird. Yeah. Now, just to clarify uh, from our very first comment from Evan, I did find that, that tweet from uh, Tom King – and he posted on September 29th, and the the picture is of Dick, Damien, Luke, uh, not Luke, Duke, 
and presumably Jason, and they're all sitting at what appears to be some sort of McDonald's or some sort of fast food place. Damien actually has some sort of Happy Meal, which is slightly strange because it's Batman-themed. There's Batman logos on the cups. This is a very strange picture. Um, There's actually a Robin logo on another cup. Um, I'm not real sure what's going on here, but the caption that he wrote, Coming soon, the Bat Boys at lunch, art by David Finch. But yet, we haven't yet to see this, so who knows when this is going to be popping up. I have no idea when this is going to be popping up. Uh, David Finch should be back on the title after Mikkel Janine, or however Stella wants to pronounce it this week. Um, However, uh, whenever whenever his run, which I believe is after this next issue, I think David Finch is back then. So maybe then. If not, then it probably would have been in the holiday special. And if it was supposed to be part of that holiday special, which happened to be drawn by David Finch, um, it's not happening anymore. So. Some good detective work there. Detective Chimp would be proud of you. Thanks. I appreciate that. All right. So with that, I'm going to. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate that. that. And I'm going to implore you to head over to the website and leave comments for future episodes. I've got to. I've got to. I'm going to have a list of stuff I have to do every episode now. I'm obligated uh, legally to do, which is including saying I implore you. Subscribe to me. That's what you could do. You could say subscribe to me. <laughs> okay. That's subscribe to me. Okay, go on. Head over to the website and leave your comments for the future episodes for us to discuss. Um, also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. I also uh, encourage you to check out news related to all the things movie, re- movie, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, the comics over on the website. You can leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And like I said, leave us comments on the website. Be sure to check out the latest episode of uh, TBU Backbooks for Beginners. The latest episode features Gotham Central Unresolved Targets. We just want to say thank you, first off, to John and Dylan for being basically taking control of Bat Books for Beginners for almost the past two years. And uh, Unresolved Targets is actually going to be their last episode. So we want to give a shout out to them and say thanks for taking care of uh, the feed for the past two years. And uh, be sure to check out their, their own podcast, Arc Reactions. You can find more details out when you listen to Bat Books for Beginners. So again, thank you for to John and Dylan for covering Bat Books for Beginners for the past two years. If you have any desire to, one, uh, support us financially through Patreon, the link is up on the website for you to support through Patreon. Then we have a number of rewards available. We currently, as as uh, as of this recording, are funded $23 of our $150 goal per month. Um, as Ed said in the last episode, $1 is nothing. Um, it's, it's very little. Even $5 is, is really not a whole lot. Um, you don't have to do it every single month. You can pledge just $5, $1, $10, $25, $25 for one month and just help us out one month if you can. Um, if you get any Christmas money and you'd like to support your favorite comic cast, we'll take that. We'll too. take that. Yeah. So. Uh, also, if you don't want to do Patreon and you have no desire to do that, you can also just leave us a direct uh, donation through PayPal also can be found. The link can be found on the website on the sidebar. Um, and then, of course, uh, while you're listening to this, the survey that we've been asking you to fill out is still open and will be open until the 31st of December. At that time, it will close and 
we'll just use that information for the future. So, of course, I of uh, I wish everybody a happy holiday, regardless of what holiday you, you you celebrate. Merry Christmas and a happy New Year, and all of that. And in addition to that, you'll we'll be back after the first of the year. Um, just as a heads up, for those of you who don't know, um, my my uh, I'm expecting a new oh. child. And the the child is coming. The child is literally coming within the week after you're <gasps> listening to this. So anytime between now of me recording this and the next time you hear from us, uh, as far as the next episode, I will have a new baby. So the with that comes a little bit of a situation where I, I can't guarantee that the next episode is going to post exactly when it's supposed to. We will make every effort to make it sure it does. But, and we have a lot of holidays in there too, people. Yeah, there's also holidays uh, between Christmas and New Year's and vacations and New Year's. There's all kinds of stuff coming up. So um, if for whatever reason the episode's a little late, I apologize. But just keep in mind that the world does keep turning and TBU will always return. All right. So with that, that is everything for this episode. Uh, presumably, we will be back in two weeks. If not, just keep checking ish, back. Two weeks ish. Yeah, ish. And uh, we will be back. Regardless, we will be back and we'll cover the next two weeks worth of comics and we'll be back. So, with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed, who would like to say happy anniversary to BTO seven years. <gasps> On this very day, December 19th, to date it, even though Dustin doesn't like that. Yeah, thank you. And this is Jeanette. And you have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks ish. Bum, 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 bum,